When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is an ABC podcast. Good plan. Good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Bounced on its point, wow. The fates, the gods are with the gods. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. I'm Emma Race. I'm Felicity Race. I'm Lucy Ditto. <laughs> I'm Nicole One. <laughs> I'm Tess Armstrong. What? <laughs> oh, hello, Tess Armstrong. How hello, are you? Uh, long-term listener, first-time guest. Very happy to be here with you. I love your show. <laughs> well, we love your work. So a bit of background. Kate Sear is um, out this week because she's at a I Can Type Really Fast text messages convention <laughs> in Canada. And um, we had a late... Um, a late, a late benching of <laughs> um, Alicia, who is unwell again today. But Tess Armstrong, you will know, is um, an ABC sporting aficionado. History of the AFL flows through her blood. And she <laughs> is our former producer on our radio show. And she now has her very own AFL podcast at the ABC. Tess, tell us about your podcast. It's pretty fun. I don't know who's let me on, really, because <laughs> I can't. I've got a motor mouth, so it's a bit of a problem. But at least I get it out in a, mm. in a forum every Monday morning now with a podcast with Danny McGinley and Limo. We recognised the other day where the last three premierships all together, oh, Richmond, yeah. Dogs and Hawks. Nice. Sorry, Hawks, you're the last of those three. But it's um, every Monday a wrap-up of the weekend that was. It's called They Came to Play and it's all the bits you might have missed from the weekend. And it's good because it gets it out of my system so my family stop having to listen to me. It so. sounds so much better than ours. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's, she's a producer, so she knows yeah. what she's doing. But it's great because it's like catch-up TV for yes. footy radio. So if you've missed games, you can kind of get it in this like beautiful, bite-sized, hilarious package. And you are a motor mouse, so you get a lot of words per minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everything that content. could possibly have happened and that I think might happen in the future, all in one sentence. It's gold. Yes, love it. It is fantastic. Well, we're very pleased that you're here to um, pod with us today and you've been such a great supporter of us. We are keen to hear your thoughts on uh, what happened, reflections on the round. Did we have any commentary watch this week with Katie missing? Lucy, are you going to take over that um, role? Yes, I actually feel quite a bit of responsibility to try and bring the appropriate gravitas <laughs> to commentary watch and I don't know if I'm going to achieve it. However, there was an absolute call. And I think you might have all seen this on Twitter, but Brian Taylor made a comment about Buddy the other (laughs) night and he said he loves to sell foot candy. He's a foot candy specialist. (laughs) (laughs) And so that made me wonder, along with the Coleman medal now, could we have the Willy Wonka medal (laughs) for foot candy? What do you you think? Do you know what I see when I hear foot candy? I see Fergie sucking that man's toes. Do you know what I see? Is that okay? Stripey red and white socks. <laughs> Swan socks. I think about that stuff that gathers between your toes. Oh. And when you say Willy Wonka, I see Nat Fife at the Brownlow. <laughs> oh, gosh. Thanks. This is very confusing. Now getting confusing. Okay, well, before we move on to to those pithy rejoinders and... Can I just interrupt for one second? If I say pulling the wool over your eyes, what do you see? Just as per example, is that how you say it? I would say a beanie, a beanie. coming down. Beanie. Yeah. I see cotton wool balls over my eyes. (laughs) What do you see? I think beanie. I've actually never really noticed. I thought I think sheep straight away, but that's a very that takes a lot of energy. Yeah, that's a lot of energy. Your producer's definitely a hat. I'm from the country. About the wool and beanie, yeah. What do you see, Lucy? I see a beanie. Mm. What brand's your beanie, Lucy? (laughs) 
on. Yeah. <laughs> I see the brown wool. <laughs> yeah. We're I would love here. to hear from our listeners. What do you envisage when someone says pulling the wool over your eyes? Next week we'll do up ship creek without a paddle. <laughs> what kind of creek? What kind of paddle? And coming the raw prawn, which you said last week. And I did enjoy becoming the raw prawn. What's that about? Coming the raw prawn? Mm. It's I actually don't take it. <laughs> it's like taking a lend. I took it a is little note. A lend. I took a little note listening last week. I thought I need to find out what that is. It's wonderful. Mm. Uh, I, but, but yeah, I, I don't think it's no, used well. There's no enlightenment as a, uh, for the most part. I think most people get it wrong. I have no recollection that I, <laughs> that I said it, so it must cause amnesia. But when you're picturing this, I'd like you to picture something that Bob Murphy said. The other day. So he was describing the record-breaking number of 50-metre penalties for people encroaching um, the protected area during the Hawthorne Port Adelaide game. And he said that the umpires were engaging in some itchy whistling. Oh, Oh. Oh. Oh my gosh. It sounds like something at Fairfield Hospital. It It does. so funny. It It was so funny. And my other favourite of the round was um, someone describing Paddy Ryder and said his Achilles problem has been his Achilles heel. (laughs) (laughs) which then set me on an eternal loop and I couldn't get out of it. It's it's an Achilles babushka inside a babushka. It's like that classic that nine out of ten bathroom accidents occur in the bathroom. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it also makes me think of is soap self-cleaning? Oh, don't. Don't Don't start this. There was also someone had a nice set of hands, which I don't know that set's quite the right word, but anyway, mm. the nice hands, but also he's got some toe. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like firstly, toes accountable are accountable nouns, so you can't, you can't have some of one. And what secondly, I hope it's got more than in? one. I think they're relating to speed. But, oh. Um, oh. you know, I just think if you're going to do it, get your, at least get your grammar right, get your plural matching your verb. Was one. it actually T-O-E or was it T-O-W? And were Ooh. they implying that someone, he had a tow rope and someone was actually pulling him along. Could be. Well, that would make more sense mm. at least. Okay. I was um, out listening to the three-quarter time address in the VFLW match on the weekend and I'm sad to report that there was some attempted cheating going on because the Hawthorne coach said to the girls, I now want you all to get on your bikes. Oh, and I thought oh. Kate wouldn't like that. No, you know, Kate doesn't like skates. skates. Unless they were <laughs> stationary bikes. bikes. Maybe that's why we lost. Oh. They were stationary bikes. They do that on the boundary too to keep they warm. Do. Yeah. I think one of the greatest commentary watches or series of them came after this week's match where Tessie may remember this as a Richmond supporter, but when Alex Rance went off the 10-metre platform in the pike position <laughs> um, after McKernan <laughs> stroked him lovingly on his arm, um, it made a lot of people really angry. And mm. some of the comments commentators, I, I don't know if they took it a bit too far. So Cam Mooney came out and said, that is the most disgusting thing I've seen in AFL football. Uh. So I posted him a copy of Night Games. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wayne, Wayne Carey, the social commentator, said, it puts a stain on his career. He's got to cut that crap out. So that's great advice. Can we advice. just put a pause there? Let's yeah. all Can just, we just think put, like that for a minute. Have a Can we think. just put... A pot, calling a kettle, just there. Look, I think it's good, like, you know, Wayne knows how much a stain on your career can hold you back. So, <laughs> good advice. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Um, Kane Corns was probably a bit more realistic um, <laughs> when he said it's the worst free kick of the year. But Chris Scott thought it was funny. He said, I found it quite amusing. Um, I don't think the players like it, though. Um, so <laughs> you think? <laughs> you think? <laughs> what I did enjoy, though, was Damien Hardwick really flipping it. You know, he flipped it around the other way. And he said, you know, we're always trying to bring a champion down. And that's what I thought it was. Now, I'm not sure if he meant the aggressive arm tap or um, like the propelled rants into orbit or if he actually means like tall poppy syndrome. Um, But he said, I was really disappointed in the commentary. He's a champion of the game. And I don't think we need to be saying that's going to be a stain on his career. I found that really disappointing. And I think there'll be a lot of people embarrassed by the commentary if we go back and look at their career. It's a big call. It's a big call too. Holding so, up a mirror Hardwick. I know. Mr P wasn't happy though and he fined him $1,000 and gave him a 9.5. But he did get a nomination <laughs> for the Academy Award. <laughs> and that's the right response. This happens around the world in several sports and I hate staging, right? I always see it and I feel embarrassed. I feel a little bit embarrassed for the person who's done it because if they do it badly, it becomes this talking point for the whole week. And I think Callum Sinclair will be very thankful that Alex Rance did a worse stage on the yeah. weekend because by Friday night, that's all anyone was speaking about until Alex Rance did a worse job. 
Now, Alex is a serial offender in terms of not in actual life, uh, unlike some people involved in football, but he puts it on. So do most defenders. That's what you have to do, right? They all do that. He did a poor job of it. We should all laugh at it. We should all say, that's really funny and that's really poor. You get a fine. Your friends at the football club will come and say, come on, Alex, don't be such a goose. And then we'll all get over it. But it has been very funny to think the reaction that that man has had, and I, I think there's a fair bit in that. I think I, I think a lot of the stuff that comes into it, and I think Cam Mooney was probably the least cloistered in what he was saying, mm. in that I think that they are thinking of other games and they're thinking yep. of the mm, round ball game and they're trying oh. to... Yeah, they're trying to... No, sorry. Yeah, they're trying to look at other codes, I should say. And I think that they're trying to say, that is not something we do in this game. Mm. We are hard at the ball and we are hard mm. men and we we don't fall for those kinds of antics. And I think it's him putting a... This is an AFL... This is an AFL game. It is not a round ball game. Mm. And let's not um, cross over and Venn diagram with some Can, It's also, I think, worth pointing out that Cam Mooney was kind of joking and was yes. exaggerating. So he was in a forum that was a jokey forum. And so, you know, when you when you see it written, it looks a lot stronger <laughs> yeah, than that's true. it does. And I think but we need to stop calling, like saying they're going to get an Academy Award because if they were any good at it, you we wouldn't have known. We wouldn't that's know that was right. Right. So they should right. get an award. He actually could. <laughs> it was pretty good. I reckon Alex I Rance wouldn't do bad in Hollywood, to be he'd honest. Be fine. Like, <laughs> like, he'd really... He'd be fine. He'd be fine. Okay, some other things that don't look good when they're written down, which the Alex Rance thing really you know, brought to the fore for me was I saw some stats this week about the most free kicks given in the <laughs> AFL era. Joel Selwood, surprisingly, <laughs> is surprisingly. out in front of, with this record, 701 free kicks in the era of <gasps> AFL. Just to put this into um, perspective for you, his next, like next on the table of most free kicks in the AFL era was Scotty West, with 584. Selwood is still playing and is sitting on 701. <laughs> oh, but do you remember that, you know, last week we talked about Peter Schwab's comment about when you measure a game by free kicks, mm-hmm. it's a ridiculous stat mm. because it just means that player was there in front, mm-hmm. underneath, mm-hmm. ducking you, under the ball. Did you say ducking? Did you say ducking? Did anyone say ducking? What? <laughs> we all joke about Selwood ducking and I hear it every day at home. At the same time, he's a hard player and he's so, often there first and underneath. And mm. So are you yeah. saying maybe we should have a banner for him when he hits his 800? Like, <laughs> is, congratulate him. We yes. should. And do you know what? He should have to duck under it. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter Schwab should have to hold one of the yes. sides of it. Yes. Okay, well, here's another stat that you may not like because I was thinking about things that you don't want to tap, like stats you don't want to attach to you. Nathan Jones hit a record this week with an most amount of games played for the least amount of wins. Oh, That's Nathan. a hard mm. stat to win. Although if I'm a Melbourne fan, that makes me love him so much. Yes. Actually, even not as a Melbourne fan, mm. I just think how wonderful is that? Because there are so many players. There's a lot of talk at the moment about Tom Lynch, Gold Coast Tom Lynch. Yep. I've got to come up with a way of differentiating yeah, between Crow and Sun. Mm. I'll just call him Sun. Anyway, Sun uh, <laughs> has the option, right? They say, why would you want to play on the Gold Coast and when they're not going well? So wait until your team starts going well. But don't you want your players to play for your team when you're not going well? Mm. And even when Dusty, you know, was uh, unsure if he would re-sign, I thought I really hope he re-signs earlier than he did and backs us in and thinks, mm. no, this is a team I want to be at regardless of whether we win or lose. Mm. And there are team, there are players that I think about, like Scott West, uh, Chris Grant, really wonderful players for the Dogs mm. that didn't have any success, you know, in terms of finals. Matthew Richardson. Bob Matthew Mervin. Richardson. Yeah. Nick Rewalt. Exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah they're great but examples. They're, they're heroes of your club because they mm. stick it out. I completely agree. Yeah. Mm. I completely agree. That one really shocked me. I was mm. like, oh, that's a rough day at the office, but good on you. I do have a lot of love for Nathan Jones. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. yeah, he's hard not to like. Mm. Yeah. You're shaking your head. Do you like Infelicity? I, I do. No, I'm, I'm going back to um, under 12's Little Athletics thinking of the stat I never wanted. Oh, what was that? Uh, which was... Most oh, twisties no. between the no. 100. <laughs> Seven years of Little Athletics and the one award I got was a long service award for turning up. Oh, And I was oh. just thinking... Felicity. Mm. You might I know. Cry. Can you put some sad music under this, somebody? But we probably you must all have stats that you don't want. I got best under nine girl, but I was the only under nine girl. Oh, you yeah. oh. That's That's still the best. Lucky you got that award, though. Imagine if you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if you got (laughs) runner-up. 
Um, okay, one thing I didn't want to see this week. Anybody see Ross Lyon in the oh. box? Lucy, uh, Ross flossing. <laughs> I'm a box. huge fan of flossing your teeth. I think you have to do it when you have to do it. Do not do it when you're sitting in a box with windows all around you and cameras on you. You should never do anything that rhymes with your name. <laughs> <laughs> so Tess is an unfortunate name because I am a messy person. So Tess the Mess, classic mm. gag. Flossing Ross. It's no good. It's Don't good. do that. No. It's, it's just a headline also, waiting to happen. It's the only time the name Felicity is coming to its own. <laughs> Are you just like, I'm orange. I'm glad my name isn't Bart. Well, mine's, mine's Nick, which is not, never goes well. Oh, no. But I think let's just put out a blanket warning to coaches. I don't want to see anyone cleaning their ears. No. This week, oh, especially no. also, with their car keys. You know what else I don't want to see? No, that's true. I don't want to see people eating messy food. Do you no remember meat pies? Bomber Thompson eating Sandwich. hamburgers, oh, like massive yes. hamburgers. Mm. I'm alright with, I'm all right with eating the hamburger. No, I don't want to see messy, like big food. I feel like next week we're going to see him clipping his toenails. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Ross. Do you know what I think it was? I think it's. I tried to get into the mindset of Ross Lyon, which was troubling, right? Okay. Strap yourselves in. Strap yourselves in. I was like, how did the flossing stick get to him in the commentary box? Like, was it, are they like sponsored by a dental company? Like what, I was trying to think it round and then I was like, do you know what? It actually said to me, it was a bit of a, you know, when cats kind of piss on their territory, like Mm. that kind of thing. I felt like it was him just being so familiar. And so, and you said, you use the word familiar. And Mm. I thought it's him saying, I am going nowhere, people. This is my domain. Don't even think about it. I will cut my toenails here if I have to. I'll be pushing the quick back on my fingernails. (laughs) I might even dye my greys. Trim that nose hair. I own this space Mm. and I will floss. Uh, Do you know, I, I have a contrary opinion here because. Imagine that. Imagine. <laughs> you know how annoying it is when you get a bit of food stuck and mm. I mean if you're living with a food trap somewhere in there you carry floss with you mm. you know so and mm. just a call out to our listeners everybody should be carrying floss you've always liked floss line no I like floss <laughs> floss, floss lion. Lion. I floss a lot floss lion. that is absolutely his name from floss now lion. on floss lion yes. strap yourselves in I also thought if I was a Fremantle fan so the flossing incident happened in the third quarter they were about 45 points down mm. but the game's not over and flossing seems to me like a very leisurely activity it does and I thought you must have more to do in this instance mm. when your team's down by quite a lot and, and actually floss. you came back a little bit than floss, but maybe the floss worked because they did come back a little bit. Mm. Maybe that's his thinking time. Yeah, Yeah, really. They've been asking for ideas of what the coaches should wear down the slide for their (laughs) MND. I think think Ross should go as Rob the Dentist. Can't show his face. Oh my gosh. Well, maybe he should get some tips from the fashionista that oh. is Nat Fife and his lookbook. <laughs> Tess? Tribunal night. Usually not the most exciting oh, hang on. night. Can you say, say it again? Oh no. She can't say tribunal and it <laughs> makes me so <laughs> no. happy. It's You're so the, good. one of the smartest people I've ever met. I honestly forgot say, I couldn't say it, it until it. you say just reminded me. <laughs> tribunal. <laughs> <laughs> no, still wrong. Tribune. Tribunal. Mm. Yeah! yeah! No, that sounds that feels all wrong. You know when your mouth, your mouth can't right. get around a word? I put an extra R at the mm, end there. Yes. And someone described it to me, which I'd never heard this term before, as your drunk word, that um, every time you say it even sober, you, yes. the more you say it. It's tribunal. Tribunal. <laughs> Me. Mr P. Really, Just call anyway, it Mr P. Mr P. So Nat Five had to go to Mr P's office. Thank you, Felicity. You're such a good friend. Oh, that is. I'm going to think about that a lot. I'm going to practice on the way home. I'll say it a lot. It doesn't help. Oh. I have the same issue and it Do doesn't you? help. Can you say it? I can't say it. Say it. I do the same thing. Oh. Yes. There's an extra Tribunal. <laughs> Clearly you two have never gotten into a lot of trouble in your lives. <laughs> Because the rest of us know how to say it. I believe in you two so much. I think we should just change the word. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Yeah. I'm all for that. I'm absolutely up for it. Anyway, so Nat Fife went to the place. (laughs) And um, the the, the place went to Nat Fife, actually. It went to Perth. It went on the road show. Mm. It's like when the Supreme Court goes around on the circuit. It was very exciting. 
And it goes, and I just want to give Nat Five a little bit of credit. Every time you see him, he's kind of living the WA dream, right? He's like flying a helicopter or he's on the beach in a wetsuit or he's in his footy gear. And he seems like the sort of person that when he puts on any, like even remote normal clothing that's not a wetsuit, everyone goes, oh, my God. He looks amazing. Mm. So for the Brownlow night, he had the cane, right? I'm not even entirely certain he needed the cane, but the cane was a great look, iconic look. The day after, the Brownlow photo of him on the phone, Brownlow around, topless, beanie, amazing look. Mm. And then last night to the tribunal, he wore the most incredible fashion outfit. He looked like he was on the cover of a men's fashion magazine. (laughs) And everybody, it just stopped traffic and everyone went, all right, let him off. And even though he didn't get off, I'm so glad that he saved his third iconic look. Maybe that was and his Brownlow outfit. Yes. Well, it was certainly his Brownlow speech, that's for sure. Oh, There's no oh, that feels mean, but maybe. Oh, that yeah. was. So he anyway, everyone. Yeah, he did. He thanked <laughs> everyone <laughs> in his life. Got a thank you. And unfortunately for Nat Five, uh, the inconsistency of the bump this year mm-hmm. had led lots of people to feel like you should mm. probably take it to the place uh, and see <laughs> that can get off. Take it to the place. That could be a thing. We could take just it call to the it place. Uh, you can take it to the place. Uh, and unfortunately, it didn't fall uh, on the right side of the ledger. You know, thing. now that the tribunal is the one-man show, I show kind off. of... I, I know. I know. I know. You tribunal, so tribunal. Naturally. I kind of imagine that... You know, this idea of taking, like, the tribunal on the road is probably just Mr P hiring a Nissan Micra at the airport. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I picture? I picture, you know, the caravan that used to come and teach you about drugs and alcohol at school. (laughs) With the giraffe. Harold. Harold Harold would be Harold was driving the car. (laughs) (laughs) Mr P and Harold would be awesome. Mr P and Harold is a TV show waiting to happen. Oh, that'd be so yeah, they'd teach you about the that. bump and about your health and why it's important to stamp it out. Well, do you know what? Stamp the AFL does actually, they do actually need an education piece on the bump. Oh. So why wouldn't they get Mr P and Harold on the road? <laughs> because they have to keep changing it every other week for a start. So at least they keep The good thing is that Harold's so tall. <laughs> he can talk he to Nat to Five take... eye to eye. <laughs> Harold would have to weigh up the weight differential like Nick Nat and Newey before oh. Harold tackled because he'd be Oh, so much you know, bigger. you know what I would say about Harold though. He wouldn't. He wouldn't duck. <laughs> Can't. He couldn't. That neck would get snapped right off. Oh, this is going to be the longest part of all time. We've lost the plot already. Can I just say before we move off lookbooks, this week <laughs> is that where we were? I saw a picture of Chance Bateman. Mm. Oh my gosh, Tess Armstrong. Did you see it? No, and I'm running down to Google. I have a little Google list, and people pretty tell spectacular. me, hey. "Show me while we're alive." It's good. Now looks like Derek Zoolander. He looks like what Derek Zoolander, if he had become an actual male, if he was a real person and became an actual male model. And aged. And aged. He now looks like that. It is, he is spectacular. It's gorgeous. And you wouldn't even believe it. He looks like he's going to take to the catwalks of Milan. Oh my gosh. And the dreadlocks are off. He's got a long beard. I'll post the photo. I'm just saying. not recognise him. You wouldn't recognise him. No. No. He's amazing. It's lucky yeah. that he's tagged in the that photo. That beard is <laughs> so amazing. good. It's amazing. He wears it well. So just a moment for Changa, if you will. Oh, yep. Shout out. Because, you know, it's a lot of players pull the ripcord once they finish. Not, not this premiership mm, player. No, no. no. Ha- happened to me after under 12s. <laughs> <laughs> after your most participation award, you thought, this is the pinnacle. I can't go it's higher than this. I see a little under 12 sitting up at the tuck shop bar just... Packet of twisties, hit donuts, hit and a cordial. <laughs> we had a lovely thing at our little athletics. Mrs. Vanderkipe ran the the canteen. So Kyle's, Kyle's mum. Kyle's mum. Um, she was a lovely lady and used to sell the fifteen cent bags of twisties. It's a great deal then. That's fantastic. Cents. Oh yeah. Oh, it's a long time ago, Tess. You're very young. Oh. I'm a lot older than you. Yeah. That's why I can't buy a house because I'm buying sorry packs yeah. of avocados and twisties. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's melee people. Let's really pull it together. Mm. There's some serious topics going around. We got a great email during the week, Lucy. We've been inundated. People have been emailing us a lot and we've really enjoyed it, but this one was quite spectacular. This was good. This was about coaching. And as Emma said, we've had lots of emails that keep the conversation going, which we really like. And I think, you know, there are a lot of topics that are going to go across a number of episodes this year because the story keeps evolving and there are more things to talk about. But I'd like to say thanks to Nick for getting in touch. And Nick um, reminded us 
of a book by Malcolm Gladwell, and we've talked about him, I think, on the last two episodes. So maybe after this we might have to give him a rest. Mm. But in his book Outliers, he talks about um, a study at the University of Michigan Law School um, that looked at their affirmative action program, um, increasing numbers of underrepresented students in the law degree. And it looked at when students come into a system, um, what sorts of um, marks that they'd had and where they end up. And it basically found out really didn't matter where they sort of started on the academic chart, that they all ended up at a very similar level. And so Nick extrapolated this thinking out to looking at barriers to coaching. And he was saying, he, he I'm going to quote him here, he said, if a good enough coach can be found who is in an underrepresented group, and they can also provide other skill sets different to the, in quotes, best qualified candidate, surely they add to the overall makeup of a club. Potentially, the best qualified candidates are only the most qualified as they meet selection criteria developed by people who are similar in background to themselves. Mm-hmm. We really appreciated that. And I think, you know, that's something that we've talked about. And continue to. Mm. And the great thing about that book, Outliers, you'll find a lot of footballers have read it, especially a lot of female footballers have read it because there's this concept in it about the 10,000 touches that to mm. be good at anything you need the 10,000 touches. One thing that was that I have recognised and I've spoken to a lot of female players and people who work in footy about it as well, mostly women, I, I'm pretty sure mostly women, often girls and women don't get the chance to get their 10,000 touches in whatever area of footy that might be. Say if you do have an attachment program for a junior coach to work alongside the senior coach at grassroots it's more likely that she will get her 10,000 touches which just makes her be in the same um, pool of Mm. people when she gets when she rises with with her male counterparts to mean that when she does apply for the senior jobs at AFL or AFLW level that she's going to have had the same experience but we haven't seen that happen yet so merit-based arguments need to be I guess, kind of a hammer taken to them and the merit needs to be rewritten. Yeah? Yeah. Mm. And, I mean, it's interesting because we're seeing, you know, this discussion happening around boards, you know, more broadly in in Australia and I think we've seen some fairly high-profile people talk about what they think about um, affirmative action versus merit and quotas. And, um, yeah, so it's a conversation that will Mm. keep happening. One real pathway blocker to women wanting to be involved in football is something that we saw in the news this week that happened at the Bayswater Football Club Felicity. It did, and and I did want to talk about it. Um, For those who don't know or didn't see the story, there was a a group of under-19 players who allegedly, without knowledge of the club, um, decided to hire a stripper to come in uh, to the club for a team event. The media interest in it has all been around the fact that there were underage players present. Now, up front, you all know I'm a never nude, um, (laughs) but... I have zero issue with how any woman or man chooses to make a living. Um, All power to anybody who wants to use their body how they like. Um, So I have no issue at all with um, with people who work as strippers or things like that. My issue here is 100% about the choice of venue. In my thinking, when you have a community asset like the Bayswater Football Club and you actively recruit young boys and girls and women and men, What you do is you sell them this story that the club belongs to all of them. They talk about pride in the jumper. You know, you host family nights. You expect all the teams to come together um, on the weekend and celebrate your club and feel at home and part of something really significant. Now, every person who walks in there should be able to believe that story and they should be able to walk in feeling equally valued and respected and safe and feeling that they're there because they're celebrated for their sporting ability or lack of but they're there because of the club. By using the club in this way, what this group of players did is really re-stamp that perceived ownership, really clearly demonstrate that they still believe this is a men's space. Now, what does that say for a start? And at a very basic level, what does that say to the girls and the women who have joined that club over the last few years? You know, one of the things we discuss all the time here, you know, is pathways. We were just talking about women attaching themselves to, to men in teams. Would you encourage your daughter or your wife to go and join that mm. team, um, you know, to learn from them. As for the, the club itself, I do have some sympathy that they, they're saying wasn't organised by us, we weren't involved. But what I want to say is I've never been at a club event where there wasn't a responsible club employee or a committee member present. Someone has to unlock the club. Someone runs the bar in accordance with their liquor licence. Clubs just don't risk those assets. So I'm actually calling bullshit. There is no way somebody gave the key to the under-19s and said, Go in and help yourselves and have a great night. Yep. Someone was there. And even if they didn't know about the booking, 
if you're the responsible person, then you step up and you shut it down and you say, you take this somewhere else. This isn't the venue. You know, sporting clubs are meant to be for everybody. Go have your group gratification, you know, do whatever you want to do, but don't do it at a club that belongs to everybody. It made me really angry. Mm. I don't blame you. It'll be interesting to see what the club does next. I'll be intrigued by that because they have said, we had nothing to do with, we really condemn it. And Mm. I am with you in the knowledge that that doesn't ring quite true, but it'll be interesting to see what action they actually take now to say, to remind you, no, you are welcome here. No, this is a space for everybody. Apologies are fine. And it's what happened next that actually is meaningful. So uh, it'll be intriguing. And the AFL Victoria kind of said, well, it's nothing to do with us. The club's dealt with it. But um, it's just another little unfortunate tick in the box of Absolutely. And I knowing, knowing the man that Phil Merton is at the AFL who runs that mm-hmm. league, he will be furious. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They've done so much good work in respect and responsibility in investments by local councils and the way they've worked with them to um, to get facilities um, up and running to make these, um, these mm. clubs feel like safe, you know, places. And, you know, for people who don't know the area, the the Bayswater Club is often used as a venue for finals. Um, you know, mm. they everybody so it's a ends, hub. It's a hub. Mm, People yeah. end up going there from yeah. all over the the Eastern League. You know, they walk in there. When you say that, you know, what this group of players did by this action was to claim it again as a men's space. I think even more specifically than that, they claimed it as a hetero cisgender mm-hmm. men's space. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So in terms of, um, you know, the fact that it is a community asset and a community place. What they've done by their actions is really um, make it even less inclusive. Yeah, it's a very clear message, isn't it? And imagine the inner turmoil of other, like you think about, say, boys that we know that it would be playing in that. Not every, not hashtag, not all boys, not all well, men. Like and there would be people in that team yes. who would be wrestling horrified. with it yeah. and yeah. horrified. Mm. And but then, how do you step up and you know you're a kid? Exactly. Mm. And you know they say it was a small number of players who organised it. So obviously the whole team didn't know about it. But what a situation to put your teammates in. Yeah. You know, yes. it's um. Don't read the comments section. You know, let's just <laughs> we're all getting that t-shirt. But yeah. all of the I'll oh, get over it. We've all done it. You know, it's good fun. And have we? Have we? No, yeah. we haven't. I don't think I, I have. Yeah. No, I don't know. I feel like I'd remember too. Yeah, I reckon I'd remember. (laughs) It's not, it's just not okay. So you're right, let's wait, watch this space and see how they respond. And, you know, they're trying to get women and girls into that club. They've got an upcoming um, event where they've got uh, some AFLW players. And maybe those men, you know, the small group of players that if they're 19 or under 19, they they deserve uh, proper education about why that decision Mm. was Exactly. And maybe getting Phil Cleary or someone out there Mm -hmm. to run one of his programs. And he spoke about that during the week and about how that reiterates to everybody what they think the worst of football clubs and that's bad for those boys so I hope that they get the right education so they figure out why that was why that was a misstep. Yeah. yeah Do you know I, I think one of the the reasons it, it upset me most was because a lot of the time we talk about the way people behave and we write it off as being they're from a past generation yeah. um, they haven't grown yes. up with the education they I know. Yeah. I'm shaking my head. What they needed was four umpires. Easily. <laughs> no they question. needed more. Yeah. Yeah, Nicole? So, so the talk of the town. <laughs> <laughs> Which town? Umpire well, in town. This, in this studio, anyway. Um, is that they're considering for 2019 to introduce an extra umpire for, or to have four field umpires. Uh, the idea being that you would have one inside each arc and then two doing the centre and that um, they would share the load and with the aim of extending the career of umpires. So, you know, you talked about pathways and, and um, opportunities for women and so that could be an excellent uh, chance for some women to come into, you know, to, to come up through the ranks of the academies. But I was thinking, why stop there? Why don't they have, if they really want to extend the careers of these umpires, why don't they have an interchange bench for umpires as well? And so then I had a look at the interchange bench history for players and that actually is so complex and it's changed so many times that I thought maybe not that. So I was thinking instead what they could do because the other reason that the, or the other benefit of this potential new program would be that the better performing umpires could actually officiate at more than one game over a match. And then I immediately thought, well, why stop at umpires? Can't the players do that too? So <laughs> you, could, 
I'm thinking for those players who want to get a little bit of extra cash, they could perhaps, you know, and for those clubs that can't afford to pay for those really big to buy them outright, they could rent a player. Rent a player. Every now, like so Buddy could come down back to Hawthorne every now and then just when we need him on a weekend. Like if he plays Friday I night, then find on Sunday. They actually mooted some of this talk earlier on in the year. I feel, like we talked, I feel like we talked about this like season one of <laughs> no, Outer Sanctum, didn't we? we? Well, no. no, but earlier this year when they were talking about things that might be on the Super Panel's agenda mm. was a type of um, trade situation where that kind of thing might happen. So you happen. can like rent So where they talked or... about what happens when, you know, later in the season where a club's lost two ruck men right. and, yeah. and what do they do and would you make people available? What's oh. the insurance on hiring money? Well, we poo-pooed oh. it back then. I can't believe you can't remember. No, I can't. But <laughs> I, I, I mean, even just I was thinking because you could do the one-off week, you could rent them or like lease them for the season, or like a job share arrangement. Wow. So, <laughs> I mean, do you, I, like, you want to extend their careers, get as much out of them as they would can? You, would you like fly to Sydney and pick Buddy up at the airport? I would totally do that. Mm. I would volunteer. No, I mean, oh, like when he'd be oh, there waiting, me. like next to the Avis, like, Avis like, counter. <laughs> <laughs> Back on your idea with umpiring, though, yeah. I wonder whether you could have, like, special teams. So you've got, it's like, the idea. really good bouncers. Mm. Yes. And so you mm. just bring them on. Specialised skills. I like that. I, I like this idea because a few uh, – last year when they talked about getting rid of the bounce, a lot of it was to do with the fact that the umpires mm. found it too physically uh, exhausting and then running a lot. And when you watch an umpire, they run their guts out. They mm. run so they hard can. for so long. Backwards. And then we expect them to make split-second decisions that then we bag them for a week if they exactly. get it wrong. Mm. So I can't run up the street and then make a reasonable decision mm. uh, even remotely. So they do such a good job. Yeah. And if this helps them have clarity of mind because they run less, I'm for it. I can't believe that we haven't thought of this before, Same. of having four umpires. You think you've got two umpires that officiate a netball match. Look at the size of that yeah. court yes. compared to if you just watch the umpires and see how far they run in a game. Like, did you look at their GPS stats? Because they obviously would run about 17. Do you reckon about 17, oh, 11? I, I maybe feel like I'm it's more up. than that up because it, don't some of the players run like 30 k's yeah. in a game? Yeah. Mm, I feel I like, it's like oh, 15 or something. I'm, all right, so I just that? made that number up. But I think I, I thought like where you were going them. is actually why would we stop at four? Why don't we have 18 and then it's just a chaperone? <laughs> <laughs> I, that would definitely oh more opportunities for women for sure in that scenario. I like it. I, like it. Yeah. I'm I, there. I was watching a, a boundary umpire on the weekend throwing the ball in, and I don't know how they managed that I with their back. And agree. I was thinking, it's shoulders actually. Maybe, that's their big yeah, issue. Yeah, well, maybe that's the first place where technology is going to come in, and we'll have some kind of ball machine, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a catapult, like a catapult <laughs> that just goes up and down the boundary line, oh, and pop, like something in. from a Doctor Seuss book. Yeah. It's like called the. Bally, inny, throwy machine. Wishy. Yeah, Wishy machine. They're yeah. not using well, those T-shirt cannons anymore. They're oh unlikely. my gosh, who's that? Oh. Last year, uh, most distance covered in a game by a player, Tom Scully, and it was um, 18.9 kilometres. And then the other three, the other actually, they're all Tom Scully. Anyway. Yeah, so So he he was an umpire. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Two Tom Scullys and we're done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And just on the 18 players on a field, um, there was an article this morning where, you know, they asked Gillan McLaughlin about whether they were likely to move to 16 Mm. to look at congestion. And Gillan clarified and said, I think 18 aside is a pretty fundamental part of our game so it will be staying which just raised my eyebrow a little about <sighs> AFLW I'm just yeah. going to leave you with oh, that oh gosh yes my head is on the desk Soz. this weekend there's going to be an extraordinary rainbow event happening let's talk about the pride game I love how much momentum that this is gathering and it's such a beautiful event Lucy and Nicole you'll be there mm. we will we're so excited so Dockland Stadium on Saturday night. St Kilda will be hosting the Swans. And the theme of this year's game is I'll Stand By You, which I just love because it makes me think of that song. Anyway, they'll be singing. But that's to acknowledge the importance of family and support networks among the LGBTIQ community. Georgie Stone is the ambassador this year, and you'll know you'll remember Georgie is um, she's the 2018 Victorian Young Australian of the Year. She is a young transgender woman and also an advocate for trans and gender diverse children and youth. And there's a beautiful video um, that St Kilda put out after the launch of the Pride Game um, that focuses on Georgie and her family. But I just want to read something that her mum said. Her mum Rebecca Robertson said. The Saints' team song is one of belonging. Those words, 
how I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. Mm. That's what we all want. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be loved. We all want to be respected. We all want to be cared for. And we all want to belong. And that's why this game is so important. And I love that because I'd never thought of the saints song like that before. Mm. That's awesome. Isn't yeah. it awesome? That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So the other exciting thing that is going to be launched this week is the launch of Pride Cup Australia. So Jason Ball, along with James Lollicato, have founded the Pride Cup Australia. And that is basically, you'll have seen that there's been a lot of Pride Cups that have gone out to grassroots football, including to um, VFLW. And so I think across 11, I think there's now 11 of these games happening across Victoria. There was one in Adelaide recently, and there's another one coming up on the Gold Coast. But what Pride Cup Australia is going to do is um, basically help to scale that up and provide resources for people who want to run their own Pride events. So We'll probably talk about that in a bit more depth at some point, but um, some really exciting things going on. Um, the Pride Jumpers um, have been released as well. For um, You can see the photos and the designs of the Pride Jumpers for the VFLW Pride game, which will be um, in Hamilton again this year. And the Outer Sanctum have also launched their own Pride T-shirt. Mm. So you can follow the links um, on some of us on our website, on Facebook and on Instagram if you want to grab yourself a rainbow um, T-shirt as well. Before Kate got on a plane to go visit Justin Trudeau, she and Felicity caught up with Michelle Redfern, who was an extraordinary human. I hope you enjoy this interview. So our guest today is Michelle Redfern, a board member of the 155-year-old Williamstown Football Club and a woman whose activities, she says, are anchored in the mission to achieve gender equality in the business and sporting sector. You sound like our kind of woman. Michelle, welcome to the Outer Sanctum. Thanks for having me. Very happy to be here. In a time when many standalone clubs are losing their women's programs, Williamstown's just getting started. Why now? Uh, Well, why now? Because it was part of the strategy that was developed even before I joined the board uh, about 18 months ago. And the why is is the same as the why for many other businesses um, and commercial entities in, in that growth. So how do you make the game endure, sustainable, grow, capture Capture, capture markets that we haven't otherwise captured, including women, the children and families of women, um, and also uh, different sex- sections of the community, culturally and linguistically diverse communities, etc. So it's a very clear business case. And we're also, you know, we're, we're a really ambitious and audacious club in that we want to really represent our community and we can't represent our community with one gender representing the club. We're really interested to hear what it's been like for a club that has such a long and established history to suddenly um, develop a women's program and women's teams. What are some of the challenges um, for the for the club in making this transition? Well, well, I know that the challenges were, were time, certainly whilst the, the planning had been in place for, for some time. And, and look, and I was part of that planning, uh, my role being recruited to the board uh, because of my background and experience and, and my gender um, was part of that. But well, we called it drinking from the fire hydrant period last year <laughs> right. because we lodged our application, uh, had to, to wait a fair while to get an outcome. Um, and then we had to, once we, we were awarded our licence, go hell for leather. What's it been like? I know that there are certainly people in our club and our community who are probably slightly bewildered about why this is happening. But in all honesty, they've been in the minority. And I've certainly had more people come up to me as a a relatively new member of of the organisation to congratulate me, congratulate the rest of the board and, and Jason Reddick, our CEO, who really has spearheaded this. I've, I've got a couple of, you know, granddads in the, who are part of our volunteer crew and, you know, they'll talk about, oh, it's just so great because now, you know, my granddaughters or, or great-granddaughters can see that they can come and play where granddad used to play or their dad played or or things like that. So, look, I'm, I'm not naive. I know that there are, in, in the football community more broadly, uh, some grumblings and I can honestly say that I've felt nothing but this is exciting. It's a bit hairy, um, but we'll get it done. The practical concerns are always funding uh, facilities. We have a a very ambitious facilities plan or precinct plan for um, Williamstown Oval and having to accelerate some of the spending on that to accommodate female facilities um, and also to to make sure that our women absolutely don't feel like an add-on to the club, Mm -hmm. that they are an integral part of the club. 
So it's it's taken all hands to the wheel and our organisation, like a lot in the in the VFL, in the sporting community more broadly, uh, it's a lean organisation. Mm. I was going to ask about that. Does having a women's team automatically attract more sponsorship or is that the same as any other sort of, uh, not struggle, but, mm. you know, I know a lot of men's clubs that have been around a long time have very long historical relationships with sponsors. Mm. Is that something that then just gets added you know, used across the board, or do you have to go out and, and seek specific sponsors and extra funding? And um... hmm. good question. There's, uh, uh, it depends. You know, give the strategist answer. It depends. But mm-hmm. look, the the, um, the reality is that if you want to do the same old, same old, you you go and ask your existing sponsors and partners to to add some more money into the pot to cater for the female team. But we're always going back to basics, saying what's the value proposition and and what other opportunity have you got from being um, the first a first mover to have the first female team in a club that's 155 years old, one of the oldest clubs in Australia means that there's a unique opportunity um, and a unique value proposition for partners um, of ours. But for every club, and this is why I've, I've brought together all of the female directors in the VFL to start talking, um, well, number one, so that we can know each other, um, number two, start to think more strategically about how we can join forces. You know, we're competitors on the field, but we should be collaborating off the field to create a, a joined-up collaborative um, and really congruent um, value proposition to to partners who want to really help us accelerate the female game. In every club, there are people fighting the same battles and dealing with the same aspects of logistics. Um, You seem to have very quickly identified that there's a role for getting everybody together and you've put your hand up and and made that happen. Mm. Um, Has every, you know, are all the other clubs on board with that idea of sharing information, not strategic yeah. match day information, mm. but, but you know, getting the, the same story out there? Yeah, so it's in its infancy. We've had, uh, we've had one meeting of the, the female directors in the VFL, about to have a second one uh, in late June, and, and I've certainly got a lot more of the women uh, because I've been, look, I am re- renowned for being tenacious <laughs> and persistent, which means a giant pain in the bum for, for a lot of people because I go, hello, I'm here again. Please send your women. Please send your women. <laughs> so uh, we we will have about, I think, a dozen of us getting together at the end of June um, to talk, to, to then go back to work because we've got about five strategies or five, I guess, key principles or guiding principles that, that we want our relationship to be based on. One of them, most importantly, is to create pathways, talent pathways for women in all aspects of, of football on and off the field. Um, and And the second is how do we create a joined-up approach to to the commercial partners that the organ uh, that, that the game has. Um, so watch watch this space. And I'm a great believer in if something's missing, well, fix it. Put your hand up and step in and do it. So don't sit back and whinge and moan because there's enough whingers and moaners, and I don't want to be one of them. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, on a really positive note, you hosted a Pride game. Tell us a little bit about the the initiative and and how it is that you think football has a role to play in the local community and fostering social change and inclusiveness. Oh, you, well, I still can't wipe the smile off my face that um, uh, the, the, the Pride game occurred. And, and once again, um, you know, I've really got to give credit. Whilst I'm, I'm the only gay in the village or the only gay on the board, um, gay person on the board, you know, female and gay, um, it actually wasn't my initiative. I, I just jumped on board. It was Jason Reddick, our, our CEO, who, you know, one of our values is, is inclusion, inclusive. And, you know, we want to walk our talk. So Jason um, basically put the bit between his teeth and off he went. But how did it come to be How and, and, and why? Again, this is about us being a role model um, and a cornerstone in our in our community. So the Hobson's Bay City Council is you know, it's an enormous area. And whilst we're not regional, uh, and as a girl who grew up in, in a regional Western Australia, um, I, I certainly have a lot of affinity for communities that aren't in CBD locations, aren't in urban locations. They need role models. They need safe places and safe spaces. And they need to see that there are other people out there like me. And what more visible way to do it than through a footy club? I did make a joke because uh, I was moderating a panel and we had Wade Noonan, our, our local MP, um, at the function. I said, I'm sorry to say this, Wade, but football is a great way um, to create social change because guess what? Our community often lis- listens to what it's 
football hero or sporting hero will say, in fact, they don't often listen to you guys, the politicians. So, you know, we, we've got, for, for us, it's really about saying we've got um, enormous power and possibilities um, with, with a, a football club, with the heritage and legacy that we've got. Um, how do we use that for good and how do we use it to enact social change? Yeah. Well, it's wonderful to see you see you doing it. Mm. Well, and also remarkable to see, um, I guess, that, that great synergy of the first year of having a women's team um, being a really lovely time to, to be hosting an event like that. I, I see a lot of the posts uh, from the different clubs and Williamstown is, you've always got something going on. You had the um, the Mother's Day event yeah. with um, some phenomenal speakers mm. and, and things. So, um, well, we want, we want to change the game, quite literally, and I'm... I'm um, shamelessly stealing from Bridie um, O'Donnell's um, initiative, but how do we create? You know, doing the same old, same old um, with with functions and um, you know whatever, uh, whether it's a function, whether it's a panel, whether it's whatever. If you do the same thing and expect a different outcome, you know, definition of insanity. So we're trying to engage um, through our community, through our functions, our community and more members of our community, including women, including people who identify as LGBTIQ+, um, and create those safe spaces and say, well, if, if, there, if I can see some... And that's why we're really active on social as well. If, if people can see someone like me in an environment like that, because let's face it, footy clubs aren't renowned for being traditionally very welcoming for a person to wander up to and go, I might just go to a footy function if I'm a woman... Uh, or I'm a member of the rainbow community. Mm, perhaps not. So mm. how do we create that? Can I go back to the comment you made about pathways? Mm. Um, I noticed that you have a female coach of your women's team. We do. Uh, what's the, I guess, your vision for where her role goes? Our vision um, and my vision uh, is that we we create pathways through to elite for every single person in our organisation, uh, athlete, non-athlete, um, and, and our great proposition for, for those people to come to a standalone VFL club is that we will give you access to uh, opportunities, skills development, networks, um, just like mentors and sponsors do in the business world, so that you can keep increasing your skills, your visibility, um, and accelerate your advancement through to, to the elite level. So for me, if Amy was to become and should become an AFLM or an AFLW coach, that would be our job done. Brilliant. Mm, wonderful. Michelle, you shared with us some um, research that you're doing into the prevalence or otherwise of women in sports leadership, mm. um, which which taps into the, those issues. Can you tell us just briefly what's motivated that research and what you hope the outcome might be? The motivation for the research is that uh, as, as I built and, and kept building my business around gender equality and providing advisory services and leadership programs, as well as building my own board career and sporting um, administration career, I went, gee, there's, there's something going on here because I'm getting a lot of women talking to me about how tough it is working in the sporting sector and, um, and non-athlete women. And I thought, well, I can work off opinion and, and conjecture and my own kind of view or I can do some research. So I've um, surveyed a whole bunch of women and I'm about to do a second wave and started to collate a whole bunch of data from Wajia um, and, and other sources and realised that the, the problem that we see around gender diversity and gender equality in business is exacerbated in the sporting sector. So we have 3.1% um, female CEOs in the sporting sector in Australia, um, as opposed to 13% in the business sector. Now, both results are pretty awful, um, but the, it's exacerbated. So I started to delve deeper and deeper, and I've, I've discovered that, that women are mired in the middle and at the start of their careers. So they start their career in volunteer administration, marketing, etc., and they get stuck and they're, they're not progressing. So once again, I thought, well, someone's got to do something about it. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> Off I go. What do I hope the outcome is? That What I hope is that um, I won't have a job in five years' time because we will have gender equal sporting organisations, administrators, etc. Sadly, and, and my, my wife will be going, you better bloody have a job in five years' time. But, <laughs> um, but I think, I, I know I will have a job in five years' time. But there's there's real opportunity. There's untapped potential, highly frustrated and highly talented women in the sporting sector and they're not advancing. Maybe your job will be CEO of the AFL. Uh, can I just put that out there? But Well, can I tell you? Well, I'll tell you about my ambition then. And, and I'm very, very overt about stating it. So I don't want to be the CEO of the AFL. I'd like to be the commissioner. So Richard Goyd is keeping my seat warm at this point. 
watch this space. Totally. We've loved talking to you. I just can't leave you without asking one very final question. A couple of weeks ago, Williamstown women's team had its first ever win. In <laughs> what? Just tell us briefly what it felt like. One of the women said to me downstairs as I uh, ran around like a somewhat deranged person, uh, she said, Michelle, that's the monkey off our back. Three games and, and three losses after having a very successful pre-season, um, the girls were, were feeling a bit like, oh, have we really got it? Are we really contenders? So monkey off the back, I think relief was, mm-hmm. was a real um, emotion. We did it and we knew we could do it. And, you know, Amy, our coach, had said to me all along, I'm getting goosebumps, she inspires me. She said, round four, round four, Michelle, round four, Michelle, we will be there, round four. And she, she bloody well nailed it. <laughs> um, and for me, it was one of the three or four things that have made me cry again this year. So um, it's it's um, extraordinary. And you know what's extraordinary to see those women celebrate and sing the song, a song that has only been sung by men for 155 yeah. years wow. and they owned it. So it was awesome. Well, now I've got goosebumps. <laughs> me too. Well, how mm. wonderful to hear that story and let's hope they sing it many more times this season. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us on The Outer Sanctum and good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks for having me. Loved Thanks, it. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you to all our listeners who got in touch with us via socials this week. There was one big theme that was running through a whole lot of it, Mm -hmm. and it was the enormous uh, love and respect for one Miss Shelley Ware and the work (laughs) she did um, over the last round. Um, And we just wanted to give her a shout-out and say we we loved seeing you up there on the big stage, emceeing all manner of events, including um, that gorgeous Dreamtime game. So keep doing what you're doing, Shelley. She's I love amazing. that round. Mm. It's She's so beautiful. Best. She's the I best. want Shelley to MC my life, just to be around <laughs> all the time. She makes me mm. so happy. Every mm. time I see her on the tally, wonderful. Such mm. presence. It's Such true. Presence. The other thing that you guys could all get involved in is, and you know that we like to give feedback, so there's actually a forum for it. So the AFLFA, which is the AFL Fans Association, and you can follow them on Twitter at Fans AFL. Um, having their first forum. So it's going to be a Melbourne event. It's going to be at Punt Road on the 24th of June and you can register to come along, listen to Susan Alberti, who is the patron of the AFL-FA and I would imagine give your feedback about what you'd like to see umpires doing and how many people you'd like to see on the ground and when you'd like to see your grand final. You don't mind being the pen holder at the trivia night. You also don't mind giving your opinion. Are you going to sleep out so you're the first one through the door, Lucy? <laughs> Hush now. <laughs> anyway, we'll, um, we will retweet from them so you'll be able to find them via social media. It's good to have an outlet. A oh fan super panel. Yes. I love that. I love that too. One from every team. One from every every team. Okay, we have been talking this up. We have something very exciting to announce and I can't quite believe that the moment is finally here. Um, we are having our first ever live gig and you are all invited. We're on the 27th of June, the Outer Sanctum Live will be putting on a show at the <clears throat> MTC. Ooh. Ooh, the gravitas. Waiting for Godot. <laughs> Paging Dr. Cotto. <laughs> so if you live in Melbourne, and I'm so sorry to say that to all of our interstaters, um, and we'll hopefully take it on the road with Mr. P and Harold the Giraffe at some point, um, but we're going to be doing a live show. You can come and watch the magic happen if you would want to. Is that the word we call it? And so we're putting on a show on the 27th of June. It's a Wednesday night um, at the MTC, and we have a special guest booked in to be our interview that night. It is the one and only... Mr. Will Anderson, which is so exciting mm. for us because he has been such an advocate and such a huge supporter of this podcast from the get-go because I know I was thinking we would say it's Will Anderson and everyone would say, I cannot believe you're having a white man as your guest after all that. But this boy is woke mm. and he Seriously. has been <laughs> so great at supporting us and I actually cannot wait to sit down with him and say to him, since you've been listening to the Outer Sanctum podcast and you are a football fan, What's it like being a white man these days? <laughs> yeah, what have you learned? Yes, because I think that maybe it has changed him. Yeah. And mm. so I want to know all the ways in which it has. But we've got all sorts of things that are very exciting lined up. Are you guys excited about your first show at the MTC? I'm just wondering if we're going to pull out the glad rags, as they call them. I thought I'd pull out another old-fashioned saying. Like, it's a bit <laughs> fancy going to the... Well, you will have to wear pants, unlike today. Oh, <laughs> Okay. 
<laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And Alicia, that's a special note to you. Oh, it's oh, OH&S. No. I'm just wondering how much musical theatre I can work into this show. <laughs> and I imagine Lucy on stage. Maybe yeah. Melbourne Island Theatre tour. Company. Uh, uh, I'll yeah. pull up some music underneath, oh. just from the back. Musical theatre, bingo. Go. Tess, the super producer, will be there as I well. I will be You'll there. You'll be part of the show. And I think we probably need an actual soapbox for Nicole to stand on. Yeah. 100%. So you can I'll see me. That. No, mm. not that. I wasn't oh. doing a short joke. So you can just have, you know, your megaphone and your soapbox. Lucy what and about I a can high horse? It. Could we bring a high horse? <laughs> <laughs> can I say... For all those people out there, like, oh, that seems fun. I am sitting here watching you do your thing and I'm loving it so much. So come and watch them live because you are all warm, funny, delightful additions to our lives and I have been a fan for a long time. So I'm happy to be here and I'll be at the live show too looking lovingly from afar. Someone just give her the bag of cash right now. It's going to be hilarious. So um, you can get the tickets. So you need to register for tickets. You can go to the ABC Melbourne website and there'll be you'll see a photo there of us, not as you usual see us and you can click on the link and then you register for tickets and then you'll get a call. It's like Willy Wonka's um, <laughs> golden, golden ticket. ticket situation and then you will be able to come along and we will be sticking around after the show so we can have a drink and we can have a chat and you can buy some merch if you want. I think we're going to have some merch there and we can high five each other, mark the ball at the highest point. You can get some <laughs> omen watches, all sorts of things. Bring your opposite foots. Bring all your foots. <laughs> get on your bikes. Some <laughs> listeners have feet. This is what we'll discover. Do some have long legs? Possibly. But Bring they definitely have a bit of toe. Bit of toe. Bring your toe. Look, I feel I feel like the only thing that's going to be disappointing is that we haven't organised Harold and <laughs> Mr P. But, I'm working um, on it. But I'm we'll working work on, on it. So make sure you get involved. Anyone who's listening to the podcast, probably listen, you're hearing this news for the first time. We're releasing it here on the pod before we put it on socials. So get online and get yourselves a ticket. And we cannot wait to see you. And thank you so much, Tess, for coming in today. It's been so fun. Thanks for having me. You've really taken it up a level. <laughs> Sorry about that. With your tribunals. <laughs> tribunal. Oh. But it's, it's not right. It is right. It was right. It's right. Are we all done? Let's wrap well. this show up. Thanks for listening and go, go for footy. footy.